copyright avoiding intro music. I did it, I hyped it, I did I hyped it, 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 I hyped this is Off the Beaten Paths, now available at mpaths.com, the Mystical Paths blog, available in the iTunes podcast directory, meaning you can get it on any podcast app you use, and also available via YouTube and available at paths.podbean.com. Argument number five, politics is cray-cray. Oil tankers are blowing up, and can I work in Tel Aviv? Hi, Fega. Hi. So I had an interview yesterday uh, for those who don't know, and I don't know why you would know. It's not like I share all of my life online or even most of my life online. My employer closed down, and therefore, obviously, all the employees lost their job. That's one of the uh, negative sides of the startup nation is while a lot of companies succeed, an unusual percentage of companies succeed, make big money, make taxes, make good jobs for their people. Some people get in the exit and become millionaires, but companies get bought out. Some of their technologies get moved. Some of the people, jobs get moved. Companies close down. Companies don't succeed. They don't continue to get funded and those jobs are gone. In this interview, in Petach Tikva. Yeah. And one of the things that surprised me a lot as I entered this industrial park, this high-tech industrial park, was this giant billboard for Lieberman. Okay. Now, we've started a new election cycle. Hooray. Isn't that exciting? And as I, le- as I exit this high-tech park, there is this, I mean, this billboard had to be like five or ten is it, times. Is it like those ones that they do in Jerusalem, like on the hotel, like the long... Well, it, well, it, it, or is it more like wide? No, no, this was wide. This was at an intersection, and it was like the width of the intersection. <laughs> now, you know, they had ones at the opposite corners, and one was, I guess, for Nike, and another one was for an insurance company. And then there was just this huge picture that just said, it just said Lieberman and had his picture. I don't... You think it's from this current? Like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yes. This it was brand new. Oh, it was brand new. It was like, brand new. You can still find like posters from the most recent election around. Well, of course. One of the, na- one of the major negatives. Like, when I was in Jerusalem just yesterday, I saw a whole bunch of Shas posters all over. Well, and they weren't just brand new. They were still there from like March. Yeah, well, this is one of the na- major negative side effects of Israeli elections is there's a lot of proliferation of materials, signs, Posters everywhere. They're all glued up. Uh, Advertisement spaces that are infrequently used are filled. And the stuff stays. Nobody goes and collects it afterwards. So there's a a tremendous generation of garbage, unfortunately. Um, And we almost need the years till the next election just to get it all cleaned up. So true. But it, it struck me because the question is, what does this guy think he's doing? I mean, does he think he's the secular savior? Does he think he's going to replace the Cajol, the Lavan, the blue and white party and become the primary party in Israel because he stopped Netanyahu from forming a government? What in the heck is this mindset? I don't know. I mean, I, he um, he put out this like little cartoon on his Facebook page sometime this week, and it was like BB, uh, UTJ, and... Uh, 
and uh, the United Right Wing Party's pulling on a like rope, and him on the other side, and he's like, "No, we need to be like liberal right wingers," and I'm gonna return that. If there's one thing that I've kind of realized is that he has a certain type of communist mindset. I could be wrong. Okay, he's originally from uh, Russia. Okay, and I think he grew up in a time uh, as a kid, at least you know, with the USSR, and. Um, that's his tendency. I, I, is he specifically looking to um, destroy the right? I don't know. I think he came off as like the guy that destroyed the government, the guy that's not going to be happy with anything, the guy who's been in politics for 30 years and ha hasn't accomplished shitskas. So there was one other thing that happened while I was in, in this interview, which was uh, a bit unusual. Okay. So I had this interview at this company, and as part of the interview – they provide services to other companies. Okay. So they asked me, they looked at me, and I look like a pretty religious fellow, especially by Israeli standards. I show up in these standard uh, black dress slacks and white dress shirt and big black yarmulke. I've also got a big, mostly white, no, gray beard. No, 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 not gray. Gray. What? No, no, brown. Brown beard. Brown beard. No, no, no. Brown, yeah, sure. <laughs> Parading men's dying salons for beards. Uh, I wonder if that could be a business. Yeah, I don't know about that. Anyway, so I got a, a mostly white-looking beard now. Um, look, look kind of rabbinical. Uh, <laughs> at least, uh, <laughs> yeah. Of course, the kids are gonna laugh at me like that, but uh, you know, that kind of, kind of have that that look. I'm not rabbinical, but that's the the look I get. And he asked me during the interview. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, we have customers in Tel Aviv. And I said, yeah. And he goes, uh, are you all right going to customers in Tel Aviv? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I can't. I can't. Now, even... people need to understand. Um, Israel's an interesting place. There certainly is quite a difference in culture just driving I mean, from it, city to city, it's or just different a, even neighborhoods in it, one city. It's a forty-five minute drive from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, but two if different you, worlds. If you step out on the street on Tel Aviv, or you step out on the street in Jerusalem, there's significant differences. There's also two sides to Tel Aviv, right? That's true. One side's on the beach, and it's tourist, and it's beach, and it's hotels, and it's bars and restaurants. And the other side, I, that's actually, I'm actually talking physically. You're talking side, about like uh, Tzfon Tel Aviv? No, 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 excuse me. Don't no, I'm talking, Tel Aviv. I, I'm sorry. No, neither. What I'm saying is the side that's on the ocean. Yeah, it's a nice area. Okay. Is hotel-y and touristy. And, I mean, not all of it's touristy. Some of it's for the locals and so forth. But it's it's beachy. It's, right? it's nicer and it's, at a certain level. And, Bars and restaurants and so but, forth. The, but Tel Aviv's and got a lot of bars. I'm not no, like a of course. Tel Aviv person. But if you go to the other side, if you go to the side along the Ayalon, along the highway, yeah, yeah. and then we're talking like where the we're, Google building We're talking is. west as a side to east. Yeah, yeah. If you go to the east side, if you go to Azrieli, which is the three towers and yeah, the train yeah, stations and so forth, uh, that's office buildings. And that's business. Right? The and market. Yeah. Right, the Sarona Market. And so forth. Even on, even if you go to the southern side of the town, which is the poorer area, right down by the university train station, for mm -hmm. example, and you go a few blocks south of that district, there's some 
quite nasty areas, um, unpleasant businesses. Uh, but even so, that's also where there's a series of bank buildings where they're doing bank processing and other business buildings, you know, on the side of that neighborhood. So there's kind of a business side of Tel Aviv. There's a residential area and there's a tourist area. To, anyway, to me, it was a funny question because, you know, I assume that if I'm walking into offices and doing business, I just don't just assume this. I've, I've been in plenty of yeah, offices yeah. in the area. Uh, certainly people may be dressed more casual than they are in Jerusalem. They may be in shorts. They may be in sandals. Uh, but they're not in bikinis. I'm not going to the beach. I'm going to a professional <laughs> office. So, you know, if you're in the high tech world, people may be like that. But I've also been in government-ish offices, right? Various different government authority offices, and Aviv, people. Are you saying like the Tel Aviv mindsets like really changed? No, I'm. I, it was just like that. I, sounds really weird. Like no, I'm. I'm actually saying the opposite. It, what surprised me at this particular company, this is a company that provides IT services. Okay. Uh, is they have a lot more religious people working for them than I've seen in the past. As a matter of fact, I saw a large group of religious software developers. Mm-hmm. And maybe they've maybe they've run into some people who have been sent to offices and come back very uncomfortable if they're in an okay, environment. Okay, I can understand that. Know, but like, but so, being that like so many religious people work in Ramat Gan, okay, then I don't. Okay, listen. I, there's people that will be uncomfortable because like if you come from certain communities, you're a lot more. The word I'm going to use is sheltered, but it's not the right word. Well, it you is the right, I mean? it is the right word. I mean, if you're coming from Jerusalem. Uh, you're you're unlikely to run into people walking around in a in a I don't know a tank top or a halt. What do you call it? A halt. What, what is it when it just has straps? Oh, when, when a woman wears that, like a, a halter top. Is that what? It, I don't know. But like you know, a goofia. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you're you're not going like to run into a tank top. A tank top, like a women. You know, you're not going to run into people walking the streets in that in Jerusalem, or you're rarely going to run into that. Whereas in the streets of Tel Aviv, you might run into that. Um, and in offices, you will see people that, you know, are in Tel Aviv, you may see people that are dressed much more on the questionable edge. Certainly, certainly if you were in the U.S., you would consider it very unprofessional, but in it, Israel's in a is, whole different culture. Yeah. You know? I mean, in like it, Israeli uh, professional standards are so different from American professional standards, um, as, like even for the IT world. Yes. So... You know, it, yeah, people can run into it, and it, and it could be uh, a surprise if they haven't run into that before. But people are working in a professional office, and it's, you know, um, it's people are professional. Profession is profession. If people aren't doing their jobs, if they're not being professional, then, you know, they're not going to do that. Anyway, that was a surprise to me. Now, this company I interviewed at, it was actually kind of interesting. They run the software system that manages, oh, that's really cool. That, that manages the Israeli elections. So from their bottom line standpoint, they're quite happy when elections stand, come <laughs> along. Uh, but they just let their people go, no? Well, it's a it's a six-month project effort okay, for them. Okay, for sure. They have a software system. They update it but to the latest standard. Yeah, they update, oh it, to the, they update it to the latest the standard. The company. The election happens, and 
you know, and of course they get paid, right? And and they release the people with the date with the end of the election, mm -hmm. and of course those people go on immediately and, like and find other jobs. They're like probably calling up. There must be like some poor secretary there. Like, can you please come back? Well, the the the, the manager I spoke with was actually, yeah. you know, they were under very a, frazzled. They were under a lot of stress because indeed they some of the people were still available, but some of the people aren't. Oh goodness! And That's like they've awesome. got a try and rebuild the teams and, and, and get everything set up. It sounds up and like working. a nightmare. Like this election on one hand, I can see it as a good thing, but I see it as a nightmare in so many other ways. Like we talked about beforehand, the garbage, you know, having to hire people. Like think about it. We probably won't even have a coalition until about November. Like it, it's exciting. Election time is always very exciting. It's always like very crazy. And there's so much crazy stuff that's just happened in the last week. But I mean, well, there's so many negatives because like they hire people or like graphic designers and whatever. And then you let those people go and people move on to other projects. And like you don't expect to rehire those people and be in touch with those people for another like four years or whatever. I think one of the things that surprises us all is they call it a snap election. But even so, it's four months, five months, We're, four months. Elections are in September. September. So it's, it's about June, three July, months. August. No, it's four months. And they need that four months because they have to do all the things that this, just to operate the election. And, and, and prepare. Yeah. It's, it's not It's not like all these, all the people involved in operating an election are sitting around waiting for an election for sure. to happen. You know, they're moving on to other projects. So they all, they've all got to be pulled back and all that money has to be allocated and budgets have to be paid and uh, companies have to be hired and contracts have to be written and signed and agreed. And yeah, it's a, it, it, it's a big deal. Okay, those were the spot topics of the moment. I think uh, the next interesting one that caught my attention uh, just a short time before we started this podcast was oil tankers blowing up in the Persian Gulf. I don't think we actually... I, I, Spidey senses tingling, Tati? <laughs> well, I think this is one of those fog of war moments, meaning we don't know what happened yet. The initial report was oil tanker hit by torpedo. Yeah, I know. I read two articles on it. Like a torpedo? Well, torpedoes are normally something you hear launched out of submarines. submarines. That's the whole... It, it, it's yeah. not really a submarine area, but you, you can launch them off of ships also. Okay, that I didn't okay. know. Yeah, cool. you can launch them off of destroyers and other types of ships may fire torpedoes as well. All the word torpedo really means is... It's a big giant missile. Well, it's a missile that runs underwater. No. Okay, that's it. So it's who a, do you think did it? Well, for, and um, what's his name is in Japan is in Iran right now. Yeah, the, the, the president, the prime minister, prime minister of Japan. Prime minister Abe. of Japan. I, I can't pronounce his name. It's just Abe. Oh, Abe. I always thought it's something else, no. Abu or something. No, because, Abe. Like, Abe. Sorry. Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it's a. It, I say fog of war because, I mean, the people in the ship know something hit the ship and things blew up. But the question is, wasn't it like a. Norwegian ship or something like that? Uh, well, I think, you know, again, I say fog of war because one report I read said it was a ship going to Japan, said it was a ship that was registered to the Marshall Islands, which is a U.S. territory. Okay. That would be kind of a big deal if a, U, if a U.S. registered or U.S. flagged ship is hit. Now, just because it's registered to the Marshall Islands doesn't mean it's not owned by someone else. No. So one of the ships involved, they said, was owned by... A Norwegian company, and I think another ship 
Or maybe that ship was picking up products for a Japanese company so that it may be owned totally, by... Totally, like, yeah, it I sounds mean, completely random. I don't know. Still, I, if, if oil tankers are getting hit in the Persian Gulf, mm-hmm. that's a major disruption potentially to world operations. Interestingly, although the U.S. has so much equipment there and has been moving warships there, I had this interesting thought that was, so. but why do they care? Well, I think that Trump and Iran have been having this interesting interaction. Well, yeah, but again, one of... The other one of the other side of Trump's positions is the U.S. should care where it cares and shouldn't where it doesn't. Meaning, if the U.S. doesn't have what they call a vital interest, so the vital interest used to be that up to forty percent or half of the oil in the U.S. was came coming. From Iran? Well, no, not from Iran. Came out of Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and. Qatar. Yeah, those areas, those countries. Okay. I think mostly Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. Okay. And all that oil mm. passes down this little narrow area, which on one side is, it's either Saudi Arabia or Bahrain, and on the other side is Iran. That's, uh, that, but they're that, not getting well, their oil from uh, That's the straits that they always talk I about. Mean, but with fracking, the U.S. is now producing all of its own oil, and so is why, even so why would this like make top headline news? And has even begun to export oil. Well, Japan imports over ninety-five percent of its oil. From Iran? They import over ninety-five percent of the oil, and I think eighty percent something like eighty percent of that, I don't know about that how accurate that number is, comes from the Persian Gulf. Uh, from Saudi Arabia. Comes from various cu- countries. Japan does import, or they used to import from Iran. Okay, but they stopped due all, to sanctions? And also from these other countries. I don't know if they stopped due to sanctions or not. Okay, Many countries in Europe were importing from Iran and the other countries, Iraq and, yeah. and Saudi Arabia and so forth. So much of the world gets its oil. I know India imports a major portion of its oil also from these countries. That's one of the reasons that India has traditionally stood against Israel and the UN because they don't want to upset the Arabs, which are providing most of their energy needs. That, mm-hmm. that changed, by the way, also yesterday. There's a... The, that I didn't read yet. The new... I say new, but the re-elected government of India... Muhammadi? Modi. Oh, sorry. I, like, sometimes I do not, like, connect these names in my brain. Like, it's not that I don't know them. Or, like, I... I so that, know so there was some case. vote in the U.S. Uh, I'm sorry, some vote in the U.N. And for the first time ever... India, instead of abstaining or voting with the Arabs, actually voted with Israel. And that was considered a very big deal. Um, Apparently, uh, now that he has had a much more successful election and has a major support in his country, he feels more comfortable changing how he supports things around the world. But, so, why the U.S. would get involved, I'm not sure. Listen, I'm always that person that says we don't see the full picture uh, and there's always things going on behind the scenes that we don't see. But I think that the Trump-Iran interaction has caused, uh, I'm not going to say a rift because the rift already exists, but like severe tensions as we've had them for what, the past month or whatever. Listen, Trump's not going to be bullied. So if a U.S. flagged 
oil tanker was struck by a torpedo from Iran. What if it wasn't from Iran? Well, that's there, there's other interesting possibilities. There are. For example, the the uh, crazies in Yemen yeah. who do get their arms from Iran, they may have fired it. You could, you could drop a torpedo off a little boat. Okay? You drop it in the water. But do they have those capabilities? Like, come on. They, at least one report says they hit Saudi Arabia. Because, like, listen, hearing a, about them, like, hit airports in Saudi Arabia, like, rockets kind of like we get from Gaza. Well, they that, said... That sounds reasonable. So, one, the last report I read said they hit Saudi Arabia with a cruise missile. What the heck? So that is a... This is wow. Pro, this is pro, high-tech high programmable equipment. You need appropriate launchers. You need somebody to set appropriate coordinates and so forth. High-tech war jobs. High-tech war jobs. <laughs> Anywho, the only thing I can come up with conspiracy theory-wise is it's from Saudi Arabia because Iran pissed them off like a month ago. Like they, I, Didn't Iran blow up like two of its tankers or well, these were not... like attack two of its ships or something like that? Well, you say Iran, again, this is... A number of ships were sabotaged. There wasn't necessarily direct evidence announced what publicly. They, okay, so what if there's they have evidence that isn't public? So oh, what you're saying, Saudi Arabia blew up this tanker? No, I'm saying that Iran that like it's a possibility. Well, that would be what they call a false flag operation, meaning you attack yourself to say it was your enemy, which is which is also possible. Uh, that's that's what, the. But what would that accomplish? In well, reality? if you what would it, it accomplish? Like, forget the Secret Service. Type if level. you wanted, if you well, want on a public level, if you level. wanted to get the U.S. to attack your enemy for you, you attack the U.S. making it look like it was your enemy. Ooh, but like, isn't the United States currently with Saudi Arabia on good terms? I mean, Trump visited Saudi Arabia. Kushner's been there quite a few times. Generally speaking, the. The public appearance has been that the U.S. and the Saudis have been getting along, have been getting along very well. That was we certainly saw that physically with President Bush. We saw that with President Obama, and we've also seen that with Trump. They seem to have a reasonable deal worked out, even when there was the this, the the crazy story of the Saudis killing one of their citizens who was in Turkey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, and apparently, horri- horrifically killing... Kellogg-y. It always reminds me of Kellogg's uh, <laughs> cereal. You know, apparently horrifically killing him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and it was summarily ignored by the United States. So and that's... Like conspiracy, like I said, spidey senses tingling. Well, there's there's things going on there. We don't see it. and But like... Are there like news articles, and I'm sure there are, that don't get so much attention where the truth does come out? Like, I'm not talking about dark web. I'm talking like big websites where someone gets a good scoop of a story. It's not going to become the big story. It's impossible. It's like in, it's, it's going to go so under the radar. It's impossible. Nowadays, I would say, first of all, it's impossible to tell. You've got so many conspiracy theorists, and you have so many uh, fake news operations that even if the real stuff was coming out, you wouldn't be able to tell one from the other. Uh, the other thing that's happening is most of the major news organizations have basically abandoned reporting. What does that mean, they've abandoned reporting? Well, first of all, if you go to the front page of most newspapers today, you certainly see this in Israel, and I now see this showing up all over the United States, 
You don't see opinion pieces on the back of the newspaper. They're putting them on the front page, which means I think this. Not here's a story, but... Basically, they have nothing to report. They're oh, telling... I know. Orange man bad. Orange man bad. But so they're... So they're trying to tell you what to think instead of trying to tell you what's happening. Okay. The second thing is reporting costs a lot of money. Let me take a practical example. We're here in Israel, right? Israel's a hard place to understand. You don't arrive here as an American. I'm going to give you I'm going to give a real simple example. This is an example I give Americans and sometimes Israelis to give a perspective. You're in America. Yeah. Okay. I lived in New Jersey. Yeah. And I had to take a trip to the middle of Pennsylvania for work. Okay. So I got in my car, and I drove for five hours. That's like driving to Tzfat. Like, okay, well, more than no, Tzfat. No, like that's right. That's like driving. No, it's, keep going. It's like, that's like driving from here to Lebanon. Okay. Okay. So, or further. from It might be from here to the edge of Turkey, if there was an actual highway that went straight, because I drove a nice straight highway. Yeah, yeah. Right? I get, you know, not straight, but up and down the mountains or okay. whatever, but, you know. Um, and I say, you know, I drove, we drove when you were a child from New York to Florida. Okay. Yeah. That I remember. Okay. That was like 20, 20 hours, 22, more. 22 hours of straight driving. We drove through. We didn't you remember my shoe melted on the windshield. <laughs> yeah. 22 hours of straight driving, mm -hmm. uh, you know, various pit stops and so forth. But if I, if you look at it. And you'd say to an American, oh, I drove from New York to Florida. They go, oh, okay. Or I drove, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we drove from uh, Pennsylvania to California. Okay. Okay. That's, a, That's like maybe a, three a, days a, straight through, five days if you make appropriate stops and so forth. You don't want to drive overnight. And then you say that to an Israeli and they're like, what in the world are you talking about? If I drove five days from Israel, it would be from Israel to Berlin. But there's no straight. It's, okay. I'm not, I'm not, ah, you mean if like there, if there were roads and whatever. Listen, driving in America is amazing because in the in the 40, 30s, 40s, 50s, I don't remember my history very well, they built a interstate highway system. Okay. So there are big wide roads equivalent to the Ayalon here in Israel. Okay. Three, four lanes that cover the whole country. Okay. From almost every major city to every major city. Yeah. Of course, you talk to Americans nowadays and they'll say the traffic's still horrible, the, the roads are terrible, they're not always taken care of, and there's and then roads aren't wide enough. I mean, if you do it in California, they've got 12 lanes and they're all full. Okay. okay. But regardless, assume they weren't, assume you can drive straight, it's smooth sailing. So if we assume you had those same kind of roads, they don't, you don't. But it, if we drove straight, you could drive a tremendous distance. Okay. Israelis, in Israel, the maximum driving range is about three hours. That's true, yeah. Three hours dropping spot. Three hours. Now, I'm not talking about, okay, you can go to the very tip in a lot, and there's a few other examples. But basically, the whole I alone, I'm sorry, the whole Route 6 yeah. is two hours, two okay. and a half hours. That's it. That's from Beersheba up to... Naharia. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's it. That's as far as you can go. So I say to people, for example, oh, you have Beit Lechem, Bethlehem. Yeah. It's Palestinian territory. Oh God, don't please part. Okay, and you're in Jerusalem. Yeah. So you go to the Kotel, the Western Wall. No. 
or you go to the center of Jerusalem. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to drive from the western wall to Bethlehem. And if you say twenty-five minutes maximum, no, thirty-five. Much less. I've driven it. If you again, I've been again, okay. I cut, take wait, buses. Okay, cut tra so. No traffic. If you say to minutes. if you say to an Amer ten minutes, I've driven it. When no traffic. No traffic. Rachel. Yes, ten minutes. Derech Hebron, ten minutes. Okay, Kotel to to Kever Rachel, ten twelve minutes. It was exactly twelve minutes. Okay. From the Kotel. Yes. And you say that okay, we're going to drive from one country to another in twelve minutes, because the Americans are like land for peace. You go twelve minutes. Why are we worried about rockets? Twelve minutes. But if you say to an American how far away it is, they will always measure it mentally about how far away the next state is. So if you're in New Jersey, how far away is Pennsylvania? Two or three hours. How far away is New York if you're in the middle of New Jersey? I think that's a four-hour drive. Like right? you're talking like from the Phoenix? length, the length of the drive, the length of New Jersey okay. is like a four-hour drive. Okay. So you say to America, "How far away?" Well, four or five hours. It's five hundred miles, a thousand miles. No, it's fifteen. Okay. Okay. That's it. That perspective requires you to have people here, and they can't just arrive for a week. Like every time there's a war in Gaza, yeah, you see a horde of reporters arrive, right? It, it's like plane load after plane load of reporters. You go to the border, and there's rows and rows of yeah, guys yeah, yeah. with cameras mm -hmm. because all the reporters arrive. But where are the local reporters? I don't mean the Israeli reporters. What I mean is the international, the, the news organizations that considered themselves large, ABC, NBC, CBS in the United States, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. These were big news organizations. They're dying. They had a thousand reporters. Like I know. said, they're dying. Right. So they had Israel offices. And in the Israel office, they would take one of their reporters from the U.S. And they would send him here for six months. And while he's here for six months, first of all, he would meet some of the politicians. He would meet some of the government officials. He would meet some of the local people. And he would get some perspective. And so while he's an American, and he would have the American perspective in his reporting, he would be able to give some of the local context. Those people are gone. The I, I think that, like, I mean, social media has changed perspective. Like, if I take a picture and put it up on Instagram or use, like, Snapchat or whatever, instead you get people in their real experiences. Like, uh, for example, like you were talking about Gaza, there's this uh, Instagram account, and they um, document every time. They, 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 they document what life is like there. Like, like last night there was actually uh, a rocket attack uh, on a Yishuv that came in from Gaza, and she's, like, I mean, the people who that run the account like quaking in their bomb shelters like well so one so boom. one of the so, like there's no need for those anymore unless people are like not trusting of them and they're not making their money from it anymore there's still a lot of people that are listening to those sources but those sources have less and less direct information which also means they sometimes are doing their reporting yes they're listening to that tweet and then they're listening to taking something from somebody in Gaza, and they're applying that from their best perspective sitting in New York or Washington. So they're not see. here anymore. They're relying on the people living. Yeah, but not only are, yeah, but not only are they not here. They don't have a concept of They have no concept. They have no context. 
And like I said, you may think how far away and you think many, many hours and it's minutes or seconds okay. away. You may think these things are big, you know, oh, big protests. And they may be hundreds. It could be, by the way, this, this, is, a, this is a particular context. The context in China might be reversed. You might see a protest in China of 100,000 people and you would say, what a huge protest. And they go, no, no, that's small because the city is 20 or 30 million people. And if you don't hit a million people, it's not even a real protest, right? So context matters. And with that context lost, the reports you get are weird. They're out of context. Skewed. Very skewed. Very skewed. You also see the reverse, of course. You see there are various sites which are conspiracy theory oriented. So I'm not like one of those conspiracy theorists personally, but I mean... I... You see interesting, you see weird things come from them because they also take from various sources okay. and don't have context and create interesting mindsets from them. So oil tankers blow up, rockets get launched, and the various people in the election system are all attacking each other. It's an interesting time. Listen, the political attacking each other is like, yeah, like I think of like a, something in the washing machine that's like, you know, when the washing machine is trying to get all the water out of the piece of clothing, that, that, that's what it's like done to my head. Like, I, I just, I can't, in Hebrew, there's a word, it's a, it's like, it, like something drives you like crazy and like, just like, Ugh. well, and so like, so, that's exactly what just happened this week. So the usual response is get away from the politics. I mean, it's it, when it's problematic, get away from it. No, uh, of course I like taking breaks and I'm not paying attention to it every day. But I mean, still, it, like... Well, you're involved. You're involved in, in, in a particular political party. And that makes that makes a difference. But the, the system, you know, I don't know. I, I was going to say the system's wacky. But what look at the, you know, the stuff going on in the U.S. It's like it's either attack the president all the time or now it's election. You know, it's only two years, but it's election season. Wow. How many candidates do they have running against Trump currently? Well, which is... Yeah, which <laughs> I can't. Is, I can't. I can't just get it down to one. Like I don't know if these people are serious, if they actually think they have a chance, or if it's actually a financial thing. It's a way of raising money because then if their campaign stops, they get to take all the money home. That's an interesting thought that it's a financial thing. I really think that they do have a chance, but like, I don't think they're in touch with the people the way Trump... I think on that note, we'll wind it up and say, have a great Chavez. Thank you. Non-copyrighted podcast ending music. Yeah, 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 yeah